Welcome back to The Wine Show. You're with Jill Upton. And next up, we have Mark Davidson from Tamburlaine Wines. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for joining us. And how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> excellent and fantastic. Great. I'm, I'm feeling the same way. Thank you. So, Mark, have we caught you in Orange or in The Hunter? Uh, I, I live in The Hunter. You caught me, yeah, in The Hunter Valley in Colburn, just at the back of it. That's just behind me is the... Uh, the original tin shed we bought in 1985 and uh, produced a couple of thousand bottles of wine. I was actually just looking at you. I thought, what a fantastic backdrop. It's just full of uh, yep, full of barrels and... Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're puncheons now and they used to be ovals. I don't know whether you know, a 500-gallon oval, uh, you know, large format barrels. And we and then we went to Barriques, you know, everything. The wine industry is fashion, isn't it? So I went to Barriques and now we got punchins. We like punchins actually now. So there we go. So it's all about the punchins. Uh, we'll just just quickly on that. Can you explain the difference? Yeah, I, I was just uh, capacity, you know. And I, well, well, firstly, it's capacity. Barriques are two twenty-five litres. Uh, punchins are double that, mm. approximately. And uh, and then you go uh, in between. You've got hogsheads which are uh, 300, <laughs> so that's just to add to the complexity. And then you've got very old barrels. If anyone's ever travelled through Europe, you often see those big old barrels with their grandfather or great-grandfather's names etched on it or something, Yeah, uh, family crest on it. Um, and they're, they, they're huge. I went to uh, Cinzano factory in 1995 and they had a million-gallon Cinzano vat. Wow. Which didn't impress wow. me. I like Cinzano very much. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, there it was uh, in uh, south of uh, France. I doubt, so, I doubt they actually have a name for that because there can't be that many. The, the, I guess not. I think that was the <laughs> biggest uh, format <laughs> wooden vessel in the world. But anyway, it was there it was. It was had uh, brewing, you know, uh, so, uh, spicing up some wine called Cinzano. Wow, yeah. there we go. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, they, they they do like things big, so so there we go. I guess it's kind of like just going from from the bottle to the magnum to the Jeroboam to the. I'm not really quite sure what what goes on further, but sometimes bigger is better, right? Sal, Salmanazar, Methuselah, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, they're they're oh. fantastic. they're, they're uh, you know Babylonian kings. I don't know what that's got to do with wine, but anyway, that's the way. <laughs> it's, it's, well, obviously they did like a little bit of a tipple themselves at some point. <laughs> so, Mark, let's talk about let's talk about your wines. You are you were some of the first pioneers of uh, organic wines in the Hunter Valley. Um, at potentially Australia with your with your Hunter Valley um, vineyards and you're also your your no added and low sulfur wines. So um, can you can you go back and tell us a little bit of the history of the beginning of Tambourine and and how you started? I, I wasn't inspired, I must say, because when I first started in the wine industry in you know in the seventies, uh, of course there's no word, word about organic. In, in, I didn't ever hear it at college down at uh, Charles Sturt. And you know you don't didn't hear the terminology, but and I wasn't inspired by the uh, un, unfortunately I won't mention the winemakers, but there are a couple of pioneers there back back in those days, uh, who um, who you know used the term organic. They they were very purist. They put beeswax on the top of their things. That that wasn't oh. very the wine in the bottle. The wine in the bottle. Nothing wrong with beeswax, by the way. It was just the quality of the wine in the bottle was the problem. But the thing is that. that that didn't inspire me very much at all to be interested in this area because I thought actually from the 
sort of education you got back in the 70s and probably today pretty much that science had all answers that the 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 chemical companies had all the answers and uh you know so it was only through trial and error over the years after 1986 when i came here that i started to doubt uh some of the aspects of uh, chemical farming had we as we come to believe was the answer the panacea for viticulture right i saw i saw seasons in the hunter valley as we do tend and we're having a bit of a wet one at the moment uh where botrytis was out of control and the so-called curities just didn't work mm. you know i saw my whole livelihood just rotting on the vines that was a oh. very big motivator yeah i mean people say mark do you gamble i said i'd never put money on horses, I never go to casinos, I run farms. Mm. You gamble your livelihood on a daily basis. I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars right now hanging out there waiting for the weather. <laughs> oh, God. You know, but, you know, that's why my hair's bright, you know. <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm the daughter of a, of a cattle farmer and yeah. uh, from, from Tamworth, so I know what it's like when you're just riding on the weather, really, and it's just fingers crossed, you know, you know, doing the rain dance doesn't really help that much. So uh, it's a tough one. But when it works, it's sensational well, and you can't all, beat it. We're waiting, we're, waiting for the, we're waiting for the great vintage, aren't we? We're <laughs> well, always about to have the great vintage. Sure. And that's what motivates us. Well, so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talk on the last six months of the show has been that uh, the 2021 vintage is proving to be uh, the, probably the best in the, in at least the last decade. So, what are your thoughts on that with uh, regarding Hunter and Orange? Well, I don't think it was the case in the Hunter or Orange. To be wow, clear. I think there was there were, there were parcels of of fruit that got through uh, that that uh, you know picked at the right time and 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 look viticulture and management of vineyards. Um, you know, so it can be so variable even across one region to generalise about vintage like 2021, which in the Hunter and Orange was extremely difficult. I mean, uh, we got a lot of rain at the end of the Orange vintage, so the, the Reds are sort of lightweight, you know, they're just a, bit, a little bit herbaceous actually if, if you're up in the high, because Orange is really interesting too because it's altitude. We've got vineyards at 600 metres, we've got vineyards at 900 metres. Yes, and the difference in ripening is is dramatic. And in a cool, wet year, you know, you you see enormous differences between the phenological, the tannin ripeness of uh, red wine, for example, grown at nine hundred metres, which in hot years is brilliant, and in mm. cold and wet years isn't so. So you know, it's very it's very variable. So I wouldn't say I'd say there's some real highlights in those vintages, um, but I don't think generally I would rate it. As a, as a great vintage. We had a series of great vintages. We had 15, 16, 17, 18. Brilliant. Lovely. Well, there we go. Four in a row. Four in a row. We had, what, what, what more can we ask for? Except oh. except the drought. The drought impinged, well, particularly in orange, on our ability to sustain cropping levels. So the cropping level just went down. But you know, and, and I, I hate to, if your listeners are interested, uh, low crops do not mean great wine. No. That no. is one mistaken belief. Well, it's to, to completely yes, depends on, on what the yes, varietal yes, is, isn't yes, it? Necessarily. You know, be, there is an assumption. In this industry, we are great at one-liners. <laughs> we are great at saying things like um, low crops, great wine. Unirrigated vines, great wine. That is bullshit. Right. Is, is there a one-liner that is right? No, I can't think. I don't use one-liners. 
there we go. It's a complicated business. The wine industry is a very, very, very complicated business. That's what makes it interesting to anyone who's got the patience, the persistence. Yeah, to withstand it. Yeah. Oh, but thank, thank goodness that the end result is, is is just so worth it for everybody, I'm sure, all, all of our listeners. We're totally all agree. All have, we're all about the end result. So you did say, you just mentioned, so in 2021, it's it's still, even though it wasn't one of the best vintages, it still has it, certain parcels will do really well. What sort yeah. of varietals and what sort of parcels can we expect to, to be really good? Well, yeah, the best Semillon from the Hunter is always good. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think the Chardonnay from Orange was great. Right. Because the, the early ripening varieties tended to do better. In seasons, it became more and more challenging. You know, stuff hangs on the vine, just gets gets challenged by nature. But the, the earlier stuff, I, you know, I, I saw a Pinot tasting up in Orange. You know, Pinot's going to be very variable. And yet this year in the, in the wine show in Orange, just held, just held a little, we actually held a wine show. <laughs> Yay. COVID time wine show. Yes. Anyway, uh, Pinot was the best wine of the show. Mm. Um, which is great, wonderful, because we should be too. Um, th- that's a great one. There's a good story for you. Mm. I was at the wine show years and years ago when a certain uh, head of judges, who will remain nameless, uh, stated categorically that Pinot would never work in Orange. And oh. we had a very esteemed judge this year, who I won't mention either, who said the diametric opposite. Well, you, you would think so. Is the grape of orange, and not only that, that it rivals it rivals Tasmania as the as the Pinot uh, Champagne based grape variety uh, producing area of Australia. Yes, well, now, um, how could we change so much in fifteen years? Oh, look, it's it's it, extraordinary, it, isn't it? It is extraordinary. Uh, so we had, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we had Dave Swift from Printheon uh, first up this morning. And, uh, and you know, he, their, their Swift sparkling range is gorgeous. And we spoke quite at length about how great the sparklings from Orange are. It's, and it's, it's, it's almost quite bizarre. I don't think a lot of people would really recognise, but they, you know, a lot of people assume that Tasmania are going to produce probably Australia's best sparklings. But um, look, it just seems that Orange is just a, a sweeping them away. So, so you think, and the Pinot Noir. I mean, it's it is interesting that you know a few years ago uh, that was assumed that uh, Pinot Noir wouldn't grow so well in Orange because you've you've got the right elevation, you've actually got the right weather. It mm. sort of actually from climactically and terroir, it's it actually works, which is which is what you're well, saying. Well, what see see here's the thing: 15, 20 years ago, Orange was um, was in its first decade of growing and making wine, really. Yes. How does yes. how how does really young Pinot or or varieties of any colour uh, demonstrate their their finesse their longevity um, if in fact we uh, haven't had more than a few years of, of experience? Yeah, so, no, absolutely. So to write it off to write it off when they're young vines, you know, everyone in the industry knows that young vines take a little while to bed down and to know where how well they are going to perform as mature vines. So anyway, that's that's what happened, and and certainly Printy and people like that have made uh, a, a thing of a proper method champenoise wine, and they're Pinot based and and Chardonnay, and they're making them extremely well, and uh, and that demonstrates the fact that. Um, that region is so good at doing it when, in fact, if you had have listened to a certain head of wine judging uh, 15 years ago, you would have been shied off. If you believe these people, uh, you experts, you would have actually not planted Pinot. 
Well, there we go. Well, as you say, it's still a very young region. And so that's quite exciting because who knows what is, you know, Orange is going to be producing in 40, 50 years, given the time that a lot of other regions have had. So it's well, catch to, up time. I went to Orange uh, for, um, in the hunt of making Semelons and Videllos and, and Chardonnays and, and Shirazes. Um, but, uh, you know, went to Orange. It was, sort of just a, it was sort of an accidental, really, relationship with Orange and when it was really only just starting to plant grapes. And you could see that the contrast in terroir, the contrast in, in climate, were going to do something different and special. They could grow cherries and apples and stuff like that. Why can't they grow great grapes? Well, of course, we, that's proven to be true. Sure. Um, there are a few players up there, like a little company called Rosemount. You might remember it. Um, that, that <laughs> I think I may have heard of them. May have heard that one. But, you know, they, they were planting grapes up there because they believed, uh, you know, and Phil Shaw stayed there. Mm. But but the fact is, uh, you know, um, what I like about the contrast between Hunter and Hunter does certain things extraordinarily well. And they, they're not necessarily the things that are extraordinarily good in Orange. No. Semi, you wouldn't plant it semi on particularly anywhere except you want a filler or a blender. Mar Margaret River blend with Sauvignon Blanc, yes. and that's probably a plus. But yep. but I'm talking about you wouldn't normally go around planting semi on, but you would in the Hunter Valley, and you could focus on it actually. Yes, uh, that's right. It's, it's, it's great. Vidello too, by the way. It's a it's a sad you know a, a second cousin. Uh, well, 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 I actually That'd find sad, that sad, I think sad. the Videllos from Hunter are absolutely amazing, which is obviously why you've just brought it up. And we don't talk about it often. When we speak about Hunter, we normally mention what we speak about Semion. We don't even really mention Botrytis so much, um, which which I, I would love to speak more about as well. But the Vidello, which is uh, actually my mother's probably favourite white varietal, I can find them. They're just they're just not quite right for me quite often. But the Hunter Vidello, absolutely love. I mean, Tullock do a sensational one. Well, well, Tullock made a name for it too. They we, did. We've, we've made a reserve wine from Vidello, which was a, a very counter trend, just mm. like being organic, actually, very mm. counter trend. Um, uh, you know, if you believed every, everything you heard in the wine industry, there's a lot of things you wouldn't do. And one of them is make a dry Vidello um, uh, in the Hunter Valley, uh, when in fact uh, people, old people like me, Remember that Vidello was blended with Semillon to make the, some of the greatest white wines the Hunter Valley ever made uh, through Stockhausen and Lindemann's back. You remember Lindemann's? That's an interesting company yep. as well. Absolutely. Back, back in the Hunter Valley, we made uh, um, Chablis and, and White Burgundy. White Burgundy, they used to call it, which we don't now, but it was a, it was a Semillon Vidello. And, of course, the next generation of winemakers completely forgot about that. Oh, Vidello, that's, that's, a, that's a veranda drink. Oh. That's a sweet one. So we made Vidello. We made Vidello sweet because that's what winemakers thought should be done with it. Mm. But actually, dry Vidello ages um, if it's made well and picked early. Yes. You've got great acid. It ripens consistently each year. Makes great white wine. And actually, funnily enough, this is a strange thing, Jill. People like it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's 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 gorgeous. It's always a very uh, well priced wine as well. You know, you're never paying you know as much as you are for a good Chardonnay or 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 any of its siblings. Um, no, it's it's beautiful. Well, that's what I love with the Hunter. There are certain grapes that just grow so beautifully. I mean, well, as you said, Semillon basically doesn't really grow anywhere else apart from Margaret River or a bit of Mudgee. But um, uh, it is pretty special, but look, just I'd just like to touch on because you know Hunter and Orange they are still very different. They obviously there's a lot of crossover between the varietals, even though they come out they are very different. Maybe let's just pick say let's pick a Shiraz and a Chardonnay. Can you explain what the difference is between the Hunter and an Orange Shiraz and a Chardonnay would be? 
Yeah, they're very they're very different actually. Uh, so I reckon Chardonnay's a challenge in the Hunter Valley because it's slightly to get it you know full full flavour ripeness. It's it's hard you pick a pick it later. Uh, and as I said to you before, in, in a wet, humid in climate, which can be the Hunter Valley, Chardonnay's a challenge. Uh, whereas in Orange, where we generally have dry autumns, and they're still ripening at the early autumn stage, uh, you know, Chardonnay ages with finesse. It, it retains its acid, um, and uh, and it makes some more, you know, it, it, uh, a better structured, better acid structured wine, which I guess is more the modern Chardonnay. The modern Chardonnay is a structured, elegant. Uh, oak is an understated thing, and so on. Whereas the Hunter tends to be forward, forward flavour. You know, not not necessarily the acids, not always great. Oh, some people have finessed it here in the Hunter Valley extraordinarily well. But I got to say, in general, uh, it's not. It was a trendy when I was growing up, and the, I was introduced to wine. That was a long time ago. Jill, uh, 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 Chardonnay was the gun. You know, everyone wanted to drink Chardonnay, and it was Hunter who was famous. And so we went up there and we drank these over oaked. You know, sort of, yeah, you know, we're completely out of balance once. And now we've we've come on. We want finesse and we want elegance and we want some oak character and texture. But we, mm. so orange does that extraordinarily well every year. Yeah, now, we don't want it punching us in the face. We don't. We don't, and we and we want we want length. We don't mm. want those flabby upfront wines that 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 age too quickly. Yeah, for so, sure. So, so, so that's that's a Chardonnay. Chardonnay occasionally will shine in the Hunter Valley, and they're lovely. It can be lovely flavoured and uh, wines, but I think the the, the the great structured wines of Chardonnay were going to come from Orange. I think I think uh, Shiraz is Shiraz. They're like uh, it's like you know completely uh, poles apart, really. Um, Shiraz in the Hunter generally, uh, you know, doesn't it not always does it get fully phenologically ripe. So you have these slightly tomato esque flavours. You get the medium bodied elegance. You get peppery. But out, that, but out of that, because you haven't got that strong varietal like the Barossa, you know, jamminess sort of thing, you you, you get these sort of on you know, this development that happens, which strangely turns it into into those sort of savoury, uh, you know meaty slightly earthy characteristics and medium weight and i guess and that's the other great thing about uh hunter's shiraz in today's market is people like medium weight elegant soft reds and, and i think the hunter can do that extraordinary even though they can keep as well and yes, then, you've got, right. then you've got orange orange makes in the cooler years makes those sort of slightly peppery at the high altitudes makes slightly peppery spicy wines uh with with real red berries you know, and and lovely, lovely power, but lovely varietal flavour, um, and uh, and so you know, I love I love those styles. In fact, I you know, I think they're far better. I think there's the the you know the, the hot hot inland South Australian style. There's the there's the high country style of Australia. You see that in a few places around Australia, and then and then you've uh, you've got the warmer area Shiraz, which, you know, which go into those nuances I was talking about in the Hunter Valley. So so I think I think there's such a, they're diam diametrically different styles of wine, but both of them have that medium weight, that elegant uh, sort of medium weight softness, uh, but not jammy, hot, alcoholic type styles yep. of wine. So sure. yeah, but anyway, uh, but both of them work.
Oh, Mark, I love chatting with you because you've got such a wealth of knowledge there and you really say it as it is, which I think we all appreciate. John's sitting there laughing. <laughs> so this has been wonderful, but we are now out of time. We must go to a, to a break. Um, thank you so much, Mark. I'll, uh, I'll be in touch when I'm in, in the Hunter Valley. I look forward to meeting you in person. Fantastic. Okay, thank thanks. you. Have a great Sunday, mate. Bye. You, you too.